Well, bless the wonderful name of Jesus, everybody. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another broadcast right here from Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled Peace with God. Today is part number six, and it is subtitled, Do You Like Me? That's right. Do you like me? I wonder how many times you've asked that question. Well, you'll discover today that as we grow deeper in the love of God, that question will become obsolete because your security is based not on man's thinking, but on how God thinks about you. And let me tell you now, he loves you very much. And you're also accepted in the beloved. So we're going to have a great time today. Don't forget to go to our website at kingdomrock.org. That's www.kingdomrock.org. And join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. We would be so glad to have you. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message that asks the question, Do you like me? Right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, uh, today we're going to go into a part six. Part six of the series entitled, anybody? Peace with God. Peace with God. Today, I believe, don't hold me to this, of course. (laughs) You know we're going to follow the Lord. But today, I believe this is the last part of that series, six-part series. If you haven't heard parts one, two, three, four, and five, make sure you get CDs or go online and listen to them. I believe it's going to bless your heart richly. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. All right, Holy Ghost, we're waiting on you. You have your way in this place. You are worth waiting on. You are worth waiting on. All right. All right. uh, Last week we spoke from the subject or the last time we were here. One is, does anybody remember the last uh, title that we used last time as we spoke uh, together? That's right. How do you feel? Very good. Very studious of you. That's right. How do you feel? Uh, but today we're going to uh, subtitle this message. And some of you may have seen this written uh, in some of your classes or you may have asked a fellow student. Um, maybe we can get that up on the screen, maybe. Let's try that. OK, if not, I'm going to go on. Please turn that monitor off in the back. It really just distracts me. I really appreciate that. Today we'll be speaking from the subtitle of, Do You Like Me? (laughs) Do you like me? Check yes or no. Do you like me? Anybody ever write that note before? Oh, yes. I see some of our school-age children (laughs) that have written that. And here we are, some of us very much older, out of school for a long time, and we can remember writing those letters, those notes, do you like me? Pass it across. And you remember receiving one? Oh, wow. Well, I was definitely the writer in mine. (laughs) And oh my goodness, once you 
passed, wrote it and passed it is that waiting time. What's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? Or you ask somebody, would you ask them, do they like me? Ask them how they feel about me. Ask them. Ask them. And you go back over here and you wait. Oh, what they say? What they say? They say, what they say? What they say? They like me. Oh, they like like me. You remember those days, don't you? You like me. Do you do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Such an important question. It seems simple, but yet here you're at Kingdom Rock, so you know it's going to have to be complex. It's, very, it's a very complex question. We're going to dive into that uh, today, so I'm very excited. All right, let's go back to Proverbs 16 and verse number 7. Proverbs 16, verse 7. And it says, when a man's ways, what? Please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So we were on that portion of the scripture where we, we were talking about uh, or asking the question, who is my enemy? Remember that? So we'll do just a little bit of recapping just in case you weren't able to uh, hear the message um, multiple times or at least hear it the second time and it may have slipped you. So we'll go back and do just a little bit of recapping to, to bring you back up. Amen. All right, or if you were not here, it says again, the verse is Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Enemies. Uh, we ask the question, who are your enemies? Some would say, well, it's my ex. My ex is my enemy, my ex, whatever. It's terrorists. It's those backbiters. It's the haters. It's sickness and disease. It's that old devil. That old devil, that's my enemy. It's poverty. It is lack that's my enemy. Uh, But if we look a little bit deeper, your worst enemy is the one that you see in the mirror every day. Remember that song I sang last time that I won't sing this time? I'm starting with the man mirror. I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> anyway, starting with the man in the mirror, I'm asking him to change his ways, right? Because we know that uh, we have gotten ourselves in a whole lot of trouble. Can't blame it on the devil. It was that same mouth that you used, you know, when you brush your teeth. It was that mouth that got you in trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That mouth that said yes or that mouth that said no, Right? We made decisions. Sometimes we made decisions, and we knew that they were the wrong decisions to make at the time, but we did it anyway. We did it with our eyes wide open, and sometimes we were just deceived, right? All right. So the first enemy that we will deal with, the first enemy that I know that the God will make peace, be at peace with you, is you, with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we can sabotage our own self. All right, I got a couple of people say amen on that. So the self-sabotaging stuff, this, these are the things that are going to have to decrease and end eventually in order for us to be whom God fully has made us to be. Amen? 
So I'm going to show you that in Word of God today. But we're just going to go on a little bit. Uh, Proverbs 16.32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Isn't that something? He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. That is, you're able to restrain you. Restrain you. When you're able to restrain you, you're stronger than the Incredible Hulk. It will take more energy for you to restrain you than it would the Incredible Hulk. Or even Papa. Right? When you're able to restrain you, to hold you back, by the power of the Spirit, you'll see your life goes a whole lot better. You know, you'll end up with more money in your checking account, too. You'll end up with more friends. A lot of stuff uh, you'll end up, you'll, will, will go higher once we learn to restrain ourselves. Come on, talk to me. Isn't that correct? All right, so let's go to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25, verse number 28. It says this, Proverbs 25, verse 28. You can make a note of it or uh, write it down or turn to it if you like. Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that have no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that have no rule, that is no self-restraint, no control is like a city, and in the ancient cities, biblical days, you know, a, a city was, confluent, uh, was considered affluent or prosperous if it had city gates, if it had walls, if it had walls. Those walls, of course, would keep out invaders, keep out these wild animals and other critters that would come in, try to come into the city and disrupt the family. So a city that had walls and gates up, hey, that's a nice city. And uh, it was a respectable city, respectable city. It kept out all the other intruders and all that stuff. So the Bible says, he that hath no rule over his spirit uh, is like a city that is that um, city that is broken down and without walls. So if you don't have any rule over your own spirit, over your own soul, over your own actions, over your own conduct, if you don't have that, then you're like a city that does not have walls. That does not have a gate, which means that your life is prone uh, to be overcome and overtaken. All right. Or we can say it this way. The man who has no control over his anger or over his emotions or her emotions or anger is easily robbed of peace. Is easily robbed of peace. Okay. so what I believe what we're going to do today, this would be a slow rain. Praise the Lord, just a slow rain. I really want you to soak this in, be like sponges today, and really get this in you. Because you'll see that it really does matter how you feel about you. And I'll show you that in the Word of God today. We're going to go further on. All right, but now let's consider this enemy. This enemy. We're not considering right now the enemy on the outside, but we're considering the enemy on the inside. Remember the old proverb we gave you last time? 
Once you defeat the enemy on the inside, the enemy on the outside can do you no harm. Once you defeat this one, once you tame this one, then the one on the outside can't harm you. All right? As a matter of fact, we'll discover that we actually arm our enemies uh, by the way that we speak, by the way that we think. We, actually give, we can actually give them control over us. All right. So, again, let me tell you, as we said last time, you are not a bad person. Take a deep breath. Ah, thank you, Jesus. You're not a bad person. You're a good person that has made some bad choices or bad decisions, much like Adam and Eve in the very beginning. And this was very complex as well. The Bible says that uh, Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. Again, I can't figure out which one is worse, Jimmy. I can't figure out which one is worse. Either me being gullible enough that the devil can trick and I fall into a ditch or me hearing the devil's lies, knowing it's a lie, and I choose to fall in a ditch. Which is worse? Being so, I'm so gullible. <laughs> sure, Mr. Devil, whatever you say. Or, hmm, I, I see the bottom of that ditch, and there are some spikes down there. And I know if I listen to what he says that I'm going to be poked straight through. Oh, why not? <laughs> We're good people that have made bad decisions. But this type of decision we make every day. Either we choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that is, we, the big thing about the tree of knowledge of good and evil was that the enemy was giving, saying to man, all right, you do this, you will know. Now you will know what is right and wrong. And once you know what is right and wrong, you get to make your own choices. Because you'll know right and wrong. So you get to be the boss. You get to be like God. Don't you want that? Instead of someone else always telling you what's right and wrong, that inner witness. No, you don't want that. You want to make your own decisions, don't you, Adam and Eve? Sure you do. And see, that was the birth of man being um, independent from God. Now I make it. Now I do it. Now I'm independent from God. But God's answer is in the form of Jesus Christ, which makes man dependent upon God once again. Which is exactly what the Father, where the Father wants us to be dependent upon Him. To, depend, to be dependent upon His righteousness, to be dependent upon His grace, to be dependent upon His mercy. Listen, you never want to get to the place where you say, I'm good enough, God. I'm good. You can go help somebody else today. I'm good. You never want to get to the place where you say, I don't have to cry out for mercy. I don't have to cry out for grace. I've done everything right. If you ever think that way, let me know. So I can take me a piece of wire and uh, wire you to a charger because that lightning is coming. I can charge up something. I can. We really can, Amanda. We can charge up something because that lightning is coming. Right. We never want to be to that place where we say, I am independent of God. I don't need God. And this and that and the other. Whoa, buddy. Whoa, you're either a few fries short of a Happy Meal upstairs. Oh, we're in red form today, aren't we? 
or you are incredibly prideful in heading for a fall. Okay? All right. So let's go back. So the first enemy that God will deal with is you, the enemy that's in you. Okay? In one of two, one of two ways, uh, again, he'll deal with our gullibleness like uh, in that of Eve. She was deceived, but Adam was not. He'll deal with that part of us, our ignorance, or he'll deal with that part of us that knows what is right and sees what is right, and we do what is wrong. We need both of those handled and dealt with. Amen? Amen. All right. All right, so when Jesus was upon the face of this earth, walking as a human being, all God yet all man, uh, he lived every day of his life in perfect uh, submission to the Father, perfect submission to the Holy Spirit, and he was always, always connected to God, and that is what we want to be. We want to be connected to the Father. We need to be like, even as John the Baptist uh, prayed, or John the Baptizer uh, prayed, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. That has to be our life, or we are lost in the presence of the Lord. We're lost in his will, and we receive his wisdom and his understanding. But because we have grown up in this world, we have now the thinking of this world, and that is fighting against us every single day. So it is the thinking of this world or the mind of the world that is warring against the mind of Christ. And it's that battle that we, we're fighting every single day. But our hearing and our human minds or our human affections are skewed. We're skewed, and sometimes we don't even realize that it is twisted, that we can have twisted thinking or twisted thought. I'm sure none of you have ever had a twisted thought or an evil thought or... You know, something you knew was clearly wrong. You knew the thought was, cl- was clearly wrong. You've never had that happen to you before. Well, most other humans have. Okay. In fact, if you are a human being, some sort of faults will creep in and out of your, your mind. Remember, uh, it's okay for birds, to f- and you cannot stop birds from flying over your head but you can stop them from making a nest in your head or on your head. Okay? Some thoughts you cannot help. They will travel in and out. They'll travel. You'll get it, and you got to just, oh, oh, no. No, I'm not going to think that. No, no, no. I'm not going to allow that to come to pass. I'm I'm not going to think that thought. That thought may come, but you don't have to think about it. The thought may make an appearance, but you don't have to dwell on it. You just cast it off and keep on moving. Amen? Amen. All right. So, again, our thinking is skewed. It is, it is twisted. All right. And we gave this example last time as well. Uh, people don't really make you angry or upset. That was a very big statement. Some believed and some did not. But people really don't make you angry or upset. They merely uncover a deeply rooted emotion uh, that you were already thinking about, something that you were already believing, something that you were already feeling. I think we gave the example last time of we said to someone over here, uh, we hurled an insult at a person here telling them, oh, your shoes don't match your dress or whichever one it was. It don't match that. And uh, that was the best um, insult we could get at that moment. 
Well, this person over here could already be feeling self-conscious about that. You get up in the morning, you say, well, I, I, I don't like the way I look, right? They're already thinking that, already feeling that. Someone else comes and says that to them, you know, you make me cry. Well, no, it wasn't me that made you cry. It wasn't, I mean, I didn't hit you and, and, or have surgery and pull your eyelid down and make your tear ducts ge- generate tears. No, but what did it? The words. It was the words, those invisible words that went over and struck the heart and it attached itself to something they were already feeling. That makes sense? It's not the physical thing that hurts so much. It's those invisible words that strike something that is already present. Okay? If you're already thinking to yourself, I'm stupid. I can't learn anything. If you're already thinking on the inside of you, I'll never be anything. I'll never go anywhere. I'm just worthless. If you're already thinking that even if it's deep on the inside of you and someone else says it to you, or if you think they're thinking it about you, it will automatically set off something that's already there, and that will provoke a reaction. Right? So, But what if happened, what, if hap- what happens if... Um, Sister Rudabaker over here. What if, what if she's confident in what she wears? She knows that she has on green shoes and she's wearing a plaid dress with, a, with an orange hat. I'm sorry, there, there's, there's no green in the dress. There's Linda House again. Uh, she's volunteering for something. Yes, she's volunteering today. Okay. Um, but see, so there you have it. What if, what if she's confident? Sister, Sister Wakamonker, I forgot her name. Rudabega, thank you. What if Sister Rudabega is confident? And she knows she's not dressed properly. It's a fashion faux pas. But she's cool with it. She's making her own statement. Anybody ever felt like that? You make your own statement, right? So when someone comes up to you and say, hey, that doesn't match. Your scarf does not match your socks, your shoes, or this, and this, and that, and the other. Praise the Lord. It's just a, okay. Have a good day. Thank you for your opinion that I did not ask for. Have a good day. It doesn't bother because there's nothing in Sister Rudabaker that connects with those words. It doesn't connect with me. So therefore, the result is not tears. The result is simply a dusting off. Okay, you have a good day. And that's over. But if it connects, not only will it produce tears, it will also produce further meditations. Why did she say that to me? Why did they say that? Why did they say this? And this and that. Oh, I got to do something else. Oh, I can't get it right. Oh, what's wrong with me? And it produces a downward spiral. I wonder if anybody have been there before. It never ends at that moment. 
that moment of we call the moment of insult. And it never ends at that moment. It always uh, continues to go and go on, proliferate, and just keeps on going on, going on, going on. Until it meets some sort of conclusion or um, until we uh, attempt to comfort ourselves either by a bottle of something or by food or by whatever we use to comfort or whatever we do to medicate, to medicate ourselves. Right? All right. So let's get back now to this enemy. But again, once we diffuse the bomb, this is another example. It's kind of like someone else has a trigger out here, and the bomb is there on the inside, and it's always armed. You know, somebody can say something that will really tick you off, and you're walking, you're walking around time bomb. I wish somebody would say something to me. <laughs> you say something? <laughs> something to me. Please, oh please, oh please say something to me. Get a telemark on the phone. Oh, oh, let me talk to them. Let me talk to them. Let me, give me the phone. You ready to go off? You want to go off? I'm going to lay my legion down there with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But here again, if we are human, we'll go through these different types of transitions. When you're ready to go off on somebody, your bomb waiting to explode. <laughs> But then again, the nature of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you will say, now you know that's not right. You know that's not right. I've gotten aggravated with some uh, technical support people or customer service people who didn't, give me, get, didn't do what they were supposed to do. I usually start off on the phone. Sir, I apologize if I, if, <laughs> if I sound this and that and the other, okay? But I am frustrated. Please forgive me. I've said that a number of times. A man said, well, sir, you didn't seem like you were angry. You just seemed like you were concerned about your money. What's going on? I said, well, yes, that's exactly what I'm concerned. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I can apologize before I say it. Now, that being said, here's the deal. Okay? We can be angry, but sin not. The problem comes in when we get angry and then we sin and say stuff that we can't take back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. There can be a controlled blaze, in other words, instead of one that is out of control. Amen. Amen. Remember, even God has wrath. Okay. If you believe in a God that never gets angry, then you are a pagan. That's a false God. I'm not sure. It's definitely not the God of the Bible. Are you hearing me? All right. But let's go on. So people don't make you upset. It's really something that's in you that they connect with. 
they connect with. So um, and remember, the enemy, the devil, or people can't access something that's not already there. If it has, if they say something in their words or the situation has some sort of reaction in you, you bet, you better bet it was already there, already there. So if we deal with what's already there before they can launch the next word, before they can launch the first, the next arrow, before they can push the button, that's going to take you off. If we deal with this, the bomb is already diffused and they, they can flick the button all they want to. It will have no reaction. It makes sense? All right. Now, that, be st- that being said, one of the worst mistakes that we can ever make in this life as human beings is not taking responsibility for our own feelings. Amen. That went up really well. Let me say that again. One of the worst mistakes that you can ever make in life. You hear me, children? One of the worst mistakes that you can ever make in life is to not take responsibility for your own feelings. It's not other people, people's responsibility to make you feel good, to make you feel happy, or to make you feel encouraged, or to make you feel joyful, or to make you be at peace. If you're always dependent upon man to help you to feel good, boy, you're in for a rough road. Because people's attitudes change, sometimes on a daily basis. You have to take responsibility for your own feelings, all right? Uh, You have to decide to be happy. You have to decide to be joyful. That's the decision that you make. You have to decide that. You have to decide to be angry, too. If you say, well, pastor, something wrong with you, because when I get angry, it ain't no decision. I just fly off the handle and people better watch out. (laughs) Well, if that's the case, then you are a city with broken down walls. You have no restraint, no control. And I'd say it's time to get some control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want, I knew one man, he's passed on now. He would tell me, well, pastor, that's just how I am. That's just how I am. That's just, that's just how I am. That's just how I am. That's just, it's going to be that way. It's just how I am. That tells me, it's said, man, that's you. Why aren't you growing past that? You know, that's an issue. But we just bought into it. Oh, that's just how I am. That's just how I am. That's just how I was going to be. That's just how I am. That's just how I, that's how I do. It's time to grow past that. Why would you accept that? Ooh. These are decisions that we have to make regardless of the circumstances. Never leave your happiness in the hands of another. Now, still recapping from last time. I think I want to subtract what we said about this being the last part of this series. I don't know, Jackie, maybe, I don't know. We tend to treat others the way 
we see and where we see ourselves and where we feel about ourselves, that's how we tend to treat others. The way you see others, rather the way you see yourself or the way you treat yourself, or the, or the, way, or the, the things that you think about yourself, we tend to treat others that way. If you hate yourself, chances are you're going to hate a lot of other people too. If you love you, chances are you're going to love others. Okay? All right, so if you, are, if you are disappointed with yourself, you would tend to be disappointed a lot with other people. That is, if you can't make your own self happy, how is somebody else going to make you happy? Boy, it's hitting hard, Holy Ghost. Now, I've been praying for y'all. This is what I believe the word of the Lord is today. Don't shoot the messenger. If you can't make yourself happy, how in the world is someone else going to make you happy? If you get bored easily when you're by yourself, how is somebody else going to make you excited? Not for long. Hallelujah. If you respect yourself, you will tend to respect others. You disrespect yourself, you will tend to disrespect others. The way you treat yourself is the way you treat others. The way you treat your things is the way you will also treat my things. If you ask to borrow my car, let's take that away for a moment. <laughs> if you ask to borrow my, my computer and I come over to where you have yours and you have gum on your keypad, Coke stains on your keypad, and this and that and the other, well, that's how you're going to treat my computer. You would treat mine the way you treat your. It is undeniable. So, let me see yours first. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to Numbers 13, and we begin to close out here today. Boy, I've enjoyed y'all so much today. Mm, I've enjoyed y'all today. Oh, you ready? Numbers 13. It says, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. This, of course, when the, the 12 spies went out to spy out the promised land, you know, and they came back with a report. Here's that particular time. It's very familiar. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with, uh, with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying the land through which, uh, through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that uh, we saw in it are men of a great stature. 
And there we saw the giants. Uh, one translation correctly says uh, we saw the Nephilim there because that's actually what it was. We saw the giants or the Nephilim there, the sons of Anak, which came, or rather, which come of the giants. And it says, and we were in our what? Own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. In other words, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. Because of that, that's how they saw us. Think about that for a second. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers because we saw ourselves that way. That's how they saw us too. We saw ourselves as small and insignificant. Because of that, that's how they saw us too. Uh, this may not stand up for um, first impressions, but if someone stays around long enough, that would definitely be the case. See somebody come in big burly, you say, ooh, that guy's strong. He looks confident. He looks strong and confident like he'll beat somebody up. He looks strong and confident. But then, you know, at first you're intimidated. But then they begin to talk. Then you begin to see their mannerisms and stuff. Uh, you're not like that at all. Right? So, again, how you feel about yourself, or you see someone who is, who is very small, I mean, they're small or, or short or, you know, and thin, you know, maybe glasses or whatever, green vests and green pants. You say, hey, they don't look like a threat, but stay around for a little bit. <laughs> stay around for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what you believe about you, it will project out to others. If you believe and you say, well, I'm confident in Christ Jesus, I can take this. We can handle this. You'll project that out before others. You'll project confidence out to others. But if you believe that you are a grasshopper, small and insignificant, that's how your enemy will see you too. Gene said it was true, so it must be true. How you feel about you will change the way others view you. How you feel about you will change the way others view you. One more time. How you feel about you will change or, or we can say will reflect the way others see you. If you think, again, that you're a grasshopper, small and insignificant, Eventually, we will all see you as small and insignificant because that's what, how you feel about you. You say, I don't know why people see me as small and insignificant because that's the way you feel about you. Change the way you feel about you and we'll change the way we see you. But it's a lot easier to demand that people feel a certain way about you it's a lot easier to demand, to demand. But if you do that, eventually you can get tired of demanding so much. And nobody's going to want to hang around. Because you're trying to force something on of people that is not true. 
The more you demand, the more you tell people that you are insecure. Ooh, Holy Ghost sharps you to do it. Proverbs 23 and 7. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Brother Richard, here's the deal. God is big and he is all powerful. He is sovereign. He can do anything. But he won't do it without us. Children of Israel saw God's works. They saw the big cloud. They saw Pharaoh drown in the sea. They saw all of that. But yet and still, when they came to the edge of the promised land, none of, none of them said, well, God can't do this. These two people, people are too big. God cannot save us. These people are bigger than our God. No, their confession did not include God. It was about themselves. Right? Joshua and Caleb said, hey, we can do this. Because they knew the power of the Lord. They believed in God. They believed in themselves. Other people, we can't do this. We, we can't. We can't. They, should, they could have stopped it right there. But they went on to say, we're grasshoppers. We're small. We're insignificant. And if a people thinks you are, if you think you're small and insignificant, you won't go into the promised land. Until the Lord builds your thinking up so that you can take possession of what really belongs to you. Make sense? So sometimes where our life is stuck, is, uh, stuck walking in circles, children of Israel, until our mindset changes. Because the grasshopper won't go in and confront the giants. That's your land. That's your territory. That is your blessing. And they walked for 40 years in circles. That means every once in a while they looked over. Oh, that's my house. Oh, well, I'm grasshopper. Tweet, tweet or whatever they make. <laughs> Walk around. You know, walk around a bit, come back around the top of the circle again. Oh, yeah, still looks nice over there. Look at those big grapes. Oh, I'm, we're happy with the manna. Yeah, okay, here we go. Walk around again. Walked in the big circle. So they saw it. That's where we were. That's why I dropped the ball right there. Oh, boy. Oh, well, here I go again. Forty years. Until that entire generation died off and God raised up a people that would obey him. Why am I stuck in this circle? A lot of it has to do with how you see you. Who you are in Christ. All right. Proverbs 23 and 7. Got the closest thing. Got to land this ship. Proverbs 23 and 7 says... For as he thinks in his heart, what? So is, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Let's go just one, one more verse um, today, I believe. First Samuel 15, verse 17 through 19. Uh, uh, the New Living Translation, this talks about King Saul and Samuel really getting on him because he disobeyed God. He says in verse number 17, and Samuel told him, although you may think 
little of yourself. Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. You got the power, man. It says, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, uh, the Amalekites, uh, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush uh, for the plunder and do what was evil uh, in the Lord's sight? Hop down verse 24. We get the main, get the real reason here. 24 says, then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's commandment. Why? For I was, what? Afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Why do you think? Someone says, I think little of myself. They're actually saying in big, bold letters, I am afraid. I think little of myself, I'm afraid. I think I am a grasshopper. I am insignificant. They're saying, I am afraid. I am afraid. And because he was afraid, fear was in him, it was easier for the people to intimidate him into doing something that was um, against God. All right. Oh, I still have a little time left. You can thank Tori for these extra eight minutes. Thank you, Tori. <laughs> Again, having a lack of inner strength, courage, or confidence can produce a cowardly heart. Let me say that again. Having a lack of inner strength, courage, or conviction can produce a cowardly heart, and a cowardly heart can be intimidated into doing what is wrong. Okay, you can be goaded in to doing something wrong, even though you know it's wrong. But it's come on, girl, let's go. Come on, come on, Cletus, come on, come on, come on. You know you want to come on, come on. A cowardly heart. Now listen, it's. Having a cowardly heart is not a big deal until you need a strong heart. In order to have a stronger heart, a heart that's filled with courage and conviction, we got to meditate on what God has said about us. The old saying is true. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So true. We're not, I'm not talking about having self-confidence, but... I'm talking about having a higher revelation um, of knowing who you are in Christ. And I pray that God, I want you to pray with me that the Lord gives us a series. Because I felt that in my heart earlier that we're going to a series entitled In Him. I mean, we would go deeply into, this, into the scripture and find out who you are in him. The scripture is very full of, of verses that say in him or in Christ or through him. And God talks about who you really are in him. Again, we've grown up in this world that has told us we're less than nothing. We've grown up in this world. We're constantly bombarded with advertisements that say you don't drive the right kind of car. You don't live in the right type of house. They say you're too skinny. They say you're too white. 
You say you this, you're not smart enough, you're not this and that. Advertisers are masters at putting people down, at driving us down so that we'll see their products and want to come up. So we're living in a, and we live in a society that where people are constantly um, criticizing you. This is a very critical society. Uh, Facebook, very critical. You see thumbs up and thumbs down buttons. YouTube, thumbs up, thumbs down. Everything is like, all right, show the world what you think about me. Do you like me? Do you like me? Put your comment up. Do you like me? Put your testimony up. Do you like me? Do you like my product? We're constantly saying, do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? We're saying we're insecure. We've got to become confident in who God says we are. Now, listen, a higher revelation is being confident or having faith that God didn't make a mistake when he called you. I think I will. A higher revelation is being confident or having faith that God didn't make a mistake when he called you. And be confident that he was not lying concerning you when he said that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. He wasn't lying. We've got to abandon our own learned reality because we've learned these things, either from parents or from television or from friends. We've learned who we are based on their way they interacted with us. If they interacted well with us, then we felt, hey, I'm valuable. But if they treat us like dirt, then we thought that we are what? Not valuable, dirt, less than valuable. But that had nothing to do with what God thinks about you. But we developed our opinions about ourselves based on how others saw us. And we took that into ourselves, and now that becomes our makeup. And now when you see us, how do you, how do you feel about yourself? You know, I, I don't know, or I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm disappointed with me. Why? Mostly because other people have been passing that stuff around you. And we've taken that all in our hearts. And we've grown up with that after years and years and years and years. And once you begin to believe it, you'll attract other people that think the same thing to you. Those that are abused usually attract an abuser. So the cycle will continue on and on and on until we begin to believe things differently about ourselves. We're going to have to have, we're going to have to abandon, shall I say, abandon our learned realities, our concepts of who we are or, or who we think we are, and embrace the revelatory knowledge of our divine identity, of who you really are in Christ. Does that make sense? That's going to take work. That's going to take some work, some effort. If you want to be doomed, just do nothing. But if you want to prosper and move forward, it's going to take some effort. Are you hearing? Uh, we, must become, we must become so secure in the love of God toward us that we lose the reason or the care of asking people, do you like me? Amen. While it's good to know if somebody likes you or not, 
We all want to be liked. Am I the only one? I only see my hand up. Me and Jackie, okay, a few others now, okay. We all want to be liked. Right? But here's the problem. Here's the problem, Rosie. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem, Rosie. Here's the problem. When we want to be liked and they don't check the right box, then what happens to us? We go into a downward spiral. Then it's the question, why don't you like me? Is it my glasses? Is my hair not long enough? Is it my clothes? And then we go into a self-evaluation and begin to tear ourselves apart, wondering, why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? In other words, why am I not acceptable? Why am, not, why am I not satisfying? What's wrong with me? Anybody been there before? And we begin to criticize and judge and condemn ourselves because they didn't check the right box. Do you like me? You understanding? So we're saying, why aren't I approved? Why don't I fit? Why don't I belong? These are all questions based on fear. Fear. But God has already accepted you. Let's do one more. First John 4. First John 4. And um, let's go right down to verse number 18. Now, let's go down to verse 16. It says, and we have known and believed the love of the love that God have toward us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Say with me, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. All right, good. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, what? Casteth out fear. It tells it, get out. Say, get out. out. Fear, get out. God's love drives fear out because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Did I miss a verse? We love him because he loved us. We are accepted. Ephesians 1, 6 says that we are accepted in the beloved. But it is God's perfect love that casts out the fear. So if we're asking the question and continue asking the question, do you like me? If that's a tormenting question, do you like me? Do you approve of me? Do you accept of me? That tells me that you're not dwelling in love. And if we're always looking at not dwelling in God's perfect love, if we're always looking to others to approve of us, that's also fearful because we never know what people are going to say about us. We never know how they're going to feel. We can't ride that roller coaster. We're going to have to get our thoughts and our identity from the Father. Because guess what? We passed that note over to God a long time ago. 
And he already checked that box in blood. Yes. Yes. He said, yes, I like you. Yes, I love you. Yes. He already did. So why are we still passing notes? I pray you heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give God a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord. Come on, let's thank him for his word. We pray that you are blessed today by the ministry. Remember, if you would like to hear this message in its entirety and even hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's www.kingdomrock.org. We will be so glad to connect with you. While you're there on the website, make sure to consider a financial donation in support of the ministry. And don't forget, if you're in the area, stop on by and visit with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Stop on by. And don't forget, while you're on the website, sign up for Kingdom Inspirations. We believe it's going to be a blessing to you. All right, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way.